Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm a pastor here. What you can expect today, as JC said, is a service that's positive, it's relevant, and real. It may be a bit different than other churches in the area, but we want you to know that we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to help you take your next step every week you're here, no matter where you're at with your relationship with God. And today is kind of a strange day. Actually, it's a whole strange month at Centerpoint. Before I tell you why, I first want to share that July, it tends to statistically be the lowest attended month in the church. As a church, we believe Sundays are super important because it's the place where people tend to first start a relationship with God. It's the place where people tend to grow in their relationship with God, worship Him, and connect with other people who help them grow in their relationship with God. So Sundays are huge, but instead of us kind of just assuming defeat for July of this month just being a low-attended month for church and where just less people are engaged with God, we want to do everything we can to attempt to get you here and your friends here to help you connect with God with where you are at. So one of the ways we've done that over the last two years is we've done a series in the summer that looks at current movies that are in the theater to help you connect with God and things that maybe you are doing naturally or seeing naturally throughout the summer. So this Sunday, for the next two weeks, we're doing a series called At the Movies, uh, where we're going to be looking at different movies and see what biblical truths we can notice in these movies. And a perk of this series is popcorn. Anybody smell it? Smells good, right? Smells tasty. So I'm going to actually have my host and a couple people bring those, those popcorn d- uh, bins down. So if you'd like some popcorn, you can munch on that throughout the service. I know you're going to be like super loud and messy, but let it happen. It's totally fine. Um, but eat that popcorn, and I'm going to show you the trailer of the movie we're looking at today. Check it out. I know that this road has been very hard. And yet here you are, building this magnificent family. What's going on in that head of yours? Something little piece of it. Is it dead? They're not afraid of anything. But I am. I'm afraid of losing someone I love. Dominic Toretto. You're about to learn all about fear. You built such a beautiful life, filled with love and family. I never got that chance. Today, I raced to stop the bloodbath. That's the problem with having such a big family. How do you choose the ones you save? Let's race! You still know how to drive? What do you think? It's showtime. Here we go. Woo! 
right? <laughs> I don't know if you could already have guessed when you first walked in that this was the movie we're looking at because of the, the hot rods out there as you walked in to get us in the fast and furious mood. No, that is not the new pastor's car, nor the new pastor's parking spot on Sunday. A couple of people already asked me that. That is not mine. They are not mine. I drove a stinking moped here, actually, so <laughs> the opposite of that. But they are people from our church. Uh, they graciously brought those to help us get in the Fast and Furious mood. We even have a muscle suit that looks kind of like this that you can wear and get a picture out by those hot rods. So you're your own Vin Diesel. That'll be available after the service. Hopefully that's fun or funny to you to kind of remember today's service. But today we're kicking off by looking at the new Fast and Furious movie. If you didn't know there was another new Fast and Furious movie, or think that it was needed, I'm here to tell you there is a new one. It's called Fast X. And that X is to imply that it's not the first, third, fifth, sixth, eighth, but tenth Fast and Furious movie. And if you haven't seen a Fast and Furious movie before, no worries. I can get you caught up so you basically know the plot of every single one. Uh, basically, there's a group of people who like to go fast, all right? They like to go fast. There's conflict with an evil person or a threat in what they're attempting to do. So they have to fight off this person or threat. And the way they do, they do that is by driving really fast, Maybe add in a street race or two where they race for pink slips or ownership of a car, but then save the day by doing some crazy car stunt or jump and having the right team with them. And that is literally every Fast and Furious movie. You're welcome. I just saved you hours of TV that you don't need to watch. This last one was a whopping two and a half hours long. That's a long movie. But honestly, it, it's fun if you're into action and fighting and car chases. And of course, if you've liked the Fast and Furious vibe in the past. But none of those things that I just said are really important in today's message, nor are biblical, right? None of those things are biblical. But the biblical thing that the movie models better than anything else is something that's kind of portrayed in their classic scene. They usually have a cookout that happens. They always have a cookout in their movies. And, and as, I, as the, these, this cookout happens, do you have any guesses on what maybe I'm pulling out of it? It's not having uh, the majority of the people either being tatted up or wearing a cross on their neck. It's not the fact that they pray before they, their meal. Uh, but the movie shows that there is this loyalty, this family bond that runs deep amongst them all. It's a bond of literal brothers and sisters, kids and parents, but it's also of friends and people who start as acquaintances but end as family. And amongst these people, they feel generally both accountable for and to each other. In the movie, the group, they call that their family. This is our family, this mix of people. And there's this emphasis on love and connection of family towards all. And it's not just amongst blood. This is something Jesus desires for us today. He says this in John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love if you love one to another. It's saying we are to love 
one another. And if you've ever seen like the 1 Corinthians 13 like chapter that is basically read at every single wedding of what it talks about love, it says things like it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. That's love for another. In this movie, whether they claim to be Christians or not, or are actual followers of Christ, they are quite good at caring for, protecting, persevering together, and showing love to one another. If we pause for a second and start thinking about protecting and caring and persevering and loving one another today, how would you say Christians are doing with this? How would you say Christians are doing with this? Like, I mean, I want to say good at first, like, yeah, pretty good. But if you look at the research out there, did you know that Christians are just as likely to get a divorce as non-Christians? Or did you know that like, Christians are the ones who are kind of known for abandoning those who don't conform to their ways or live differently? Or did you know that like, churches on Sundays, people notice it being the most segregated time between others who are of different socioeconomic status or race? Or lastly, like if you ask any non-Christian of what comes to mind when they think of Christians, it's usually judgy or hypocritical of what others see. Christians generally aren't known for being any better with care for others and their family than those who are not Christians. Yet this movie, this movie, Fast and the Furious, it shows this family bond and people that they are connected to with high importance. There are obviously different roles that the people play in this movie that are different. Like we see some emphasis from some of the characters that put on nurturing or caring or leading or being the protector, the one who provides or to give support. The movie, it shows people taking the responsibility to be there for others like a good family should. As you hear that, and even some of the different ways people take responsibility of being there for others in their family, i got to ask you, what role are you playing in your family? Whether it be your immediate family or extended, what role are you playing for your friends or your church family? What way are you loving others? The main character it's played by Vin Diesel. His name's Dom Toretto in the movie. He's set on leading and protecting for the family. That's his role. Not without some flaws. Like, he's obviously a very flawed character. And he's not, like, per se, a good Christian man in a sense. But the whole movie has, like, of all ten movies, is filled with these moments where there's this, this loyalty to each other and family importance to each other. I mean, there's a compilation. Like, they showed, like, it's like 30-some times, like, they mentioned family and share family. They're committed and they're accountable to each other in all of the movies. Disrespecting my whole family. Now you bang your... We won't look at them all. <laughs> So as we talk about loving others, contributing to a family, and taking accountability in a particular role, today, what would you say your role is? And how do you rank in living that out? Like, are you caring? Are you protecting? Are you contributing and providing for your family? Are you leading, seeking what's best or the best interests of those around you? Embracing the people and the stuff that you've been entrusted with? 
no matter what particular role you tend to play in your family, both the movie and more importantly, Scripture or the Bible, it shows us that we have a responsibility to others. And it's very visible in this story in Genesis. There's a time in... uh, in Genesis, in just the first few chapters, where there are these two brothers, like literal brothers, who are limited in their other social connections. Like, they literally are some of the first humans, so there's, like, not a lot of other people around. But they are these God followers, and they're about to make a decision on giving this offering to God, of giving something to God to show their respect to Him. And the two brothers' names are Cain and Abel. And the Bible says this. It says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, some of the firstborn of his flock. Now I want to pause there for a second. Because none of... Neither of these people gave God junk. Neither neither of them gave God junk or nothing at all. But one is giving just some of the fruits of the soil. The other is giving the best stuff, the first stuff. I think like what they gave was based off of who God is to them. Like Cain, I think, is like obviously like, yeah, I'll obviously give God something. Like he deserves something. But Abel is like, this is God. This is God. i got to give him my best. I can't just pull out venison steaks out of the deep freeze and grill them up real quick for him. i got to give him the best stuff. Hypothetically speaking, of course. So sorry if you've ever got venison steaks at my house before. But the reason this is important to pause on is what would you do? What would you do in that moment? To just be honest, like personally, I like to think that I'm like Abel or I have a mindset like Abel wanting to give God my best, but my action and follow through tends to be more like Cain. It does. I I don't like it. I know I need to change. How about you? Anyways, that that was kind of a tangent. That's not really where I'm going with this story, but I want to continue. It then says this. It says, The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very able and his face was downcast. Well, what's going on is, is Cain, this older brother, he's jealous, he's hurt, he's disappointed, and it eats him up inside. So what happens next is, it says, Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The first murder happens, which is just wrong on so many levels. But we're just going to kind of like skip over that for a second and just pretend like that didn't totally happen. And what I want to look at is what God says to Cain next. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? Now, this maybe seems like a rhetorical question, but Cain responds with, I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And because of the severity of what has happened, God kind of skips a direct response and he says, What have you done? What have you done? But if we go back and reflect on the exchange of questions originally, then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The reason God goes off is the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. You absolutely should care for your brother, and you definitely shouldn't kill him. And that's the same for us today. 
You aren't just placed in a community with others, with a family, with friends, to just do your own thing, to let them do their own thing. They aren't to just be someone you just get rid of when you disagree with or you walk away from when things get competitive or tough. You have an obligation for caring for your brothers and sisters. Check out what it says about this in 1 Timothy 5.8. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Ye, ye. It says not doing so makes you worse than unbelievers. You see, God wants us in our family in our network of people, in our relationships and friendships that are close to us, he wants us to care for others, to embrace our role and be accountable for them, to be keepers. Are you doing that? Do you take accountability or responsibility of your role with your family, your friends, your acquaintances, your church family to maybe lead or care or protect or support or maybe for you, it's like in such a unique way. Maybe it's like you're the one who, who calms others. You have this peaceness about you. Or maybe you're the cheerleader. Like that's just who you're, that's your role. Or you're the thoughtful one or the wise one who can kind of look at things from a different angle. If we go back to the Fast and Furious movie, the main character, Dom, he models this so well. He embraces his role and he cares for his family and people. And it wasn't like anyone declared him like, you're the leader of us. You do you. You do this part here. He sees himself as a leader and he takes accountability to protect and help them, which is kind of how the movie starts. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler of the movie. What happens is Dom's people, they're on a mission, but the mission is actually this evil trap, and it was kind of concocted by an evil person. The character is played by Jason Momoa, and this trap has a bomb that will ironically blow up the Vatican. That's what happens in the movie. But, but Dom, even though it's not his mission, he feels accountable to his people to rescue them in this trap, but also in doing whatever he can for the people of Rome. Here's a quick clip from it. You know, we'd already be there if Roman wasn't driving Ford Knox on wheels. You see me shining, baby. We're locked inside. It's a trap. That's a bomb. All right, dorks, what are we blowing up? What? The Vatican. Get out of there! He saves the day by going above and beyond of what anyone would ever expect for both a relationship with those he's close to, his friends, but even random people. He keeps going to save the day for Rome, for the Vatican. But he's accountable to do the role that he's been gifted with and placed in for his people. In light of the Fast and Furious movie that we're looking at today, I thought I'd share my own Fast and Furious like story that relates a little bit, but actually in the opposite sense where I didn't do my role. Um, in high school, my, my friends and I were really into drifting, driving fast, acting like we had cool cars but didn't. That was us. But I remember one spring break, I was not driving, but my friend was like, you want to see how fast we can go on this stretch? 
And I was a fairly responsible kid, but I was the friend in the passenger seat that responded with, let's go, right? Like, let's do this. So we set, uh, we got all set up on the road and started going 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. We got going really fast and it kept climbing like really fast, like so fast that we lost control, went off the road. But for some reason, in my friend's mind, he didn't think, I'll just hit the brakes, which is what most people would do. Did I forget to say my friend was driving his parents' car during this time? (laughs) But he was thinking, instead of wanting to get stuck in a cornfield because it was still snowy, he thought, we'll just coast right on back onto the road eventually. We're just going to keep going and pretend like nothing happened to the car. But instead of doing that, we're, we're getting to the end. We're getting close, close, close. We ended up right in between a telephone pole and the cable that holds it where literally the car got scratched on both sides. Somehow we magically went through it. Everything was fine. No one got hurt, thankfully. But I was a friend who was generally known for being responsible, wise, being the one that kind of made good decisions amongst my group. But in this one, I did not. I did not. I didn't embrace being accountable to helping my friend not make a dumb decision. Now, could I have stopped my friend from doing what he wanted to do? No, but let's be real. You definitely influence a lot with the people you're around. If you embrace who you are to people, you can influence a lot of decisions. And I avoided all of that. And instead, I fed the negative decision. The reason I think this is important today, or for us, is when you analyze and see that you've been entrusted with relationships with people around you, again, your family, your friends, others, and when you start to notice that of who you can be to these people and who like, you can be to these people positively, you're to realize that you have accountability to them, which in the moment may not necessarily be what we want nor what others even want from us, but it's a giant opportunity and role that God has placed you in that can change a lot of outcomes for people. Like, like you can help someone see they shouldn't speed and go 100. Or more realistically for you today, maybe it's you can help someone see they shouldn't cheat or drink that much or say that crude thing. Or for you, maybe God has placed you in a role to be accountable to others, like embracing the protector role for your, your family, or the leader role, or the support role, or the caregiver role. When you see yourself as a Christian, gifted, uniquely placed in a particular place and around others, you are to see that you have been entrusted by God to embrace responsibility for these other people. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. This sounds like the worst to embrace responsibility. Or this sounds like not really like socially acceptable these days or the norm these days. If you're thinking that last one, you are absolutely right in thinking that this is not the normal these days. It's not. Instead of speaking up or taking a stand or embracing your role and kind of countering some of the people that you have accountability to, we do the opposite. We do the opposite. We respond with things like this when we see something we kind of disagree with. Ah, you do you. You do you is what we say. I guess whatever you think, or, hmm, that, that's, that's interesting. 
or just do what feels right to you, or follow your heart, or I'm sure it'll be fine, go ahead. These are common statements from us today, yet none of these truly guide. None of these truly embrace the position and the accountability of what you've been entrusted with. None of these statements truly keep. The definition of a keeper is this. It says, a person who manages or looks after something or someone. Are you a keeper of those God has placed in your life? You're not a keeper of every person that you have a relationship with, but as you think about you, who maybe right now do you feel accountable for? Is it your immediate family, such as maybe a spouse or kids or parents or brother or sister? Is it maybe someone in your distant family, like parents or grandparents or that uncle or that aunt? Is it your, your friends who reach out to you or who spend time with you often? Is it people in your church family? Is it those you have a passion for, children or the elderly or those in need? You have people that God has placed in your life that you are accountable for, that you are to keep for. But the majority of us, myself included, we don't. We don't. So as we think about ourselves, what's the role you maybe have been neglecting lately in keeping for your people? What's the role that you've been avoiding and keeping for them? What's a role that you haven't been handling properly in keeping for that person in mind? Let's be real. You can't save the day like Dom does and be a keeper of all because, because our life is not a movie, right? Our life is not a movie and we do have limitations. But for you, what is it actually? What is it actually? Like, I want to give you a few examples. For you, maybe you realize that you've been called to be the leader of your family. You've been entrusted with a spouse and children, and you need to step up and look out for their safety, for their faith, for their future, for their direction that they're headed, their well-being. Are you actually involved in all of those things, or are you kind of on autopilot mode, hands off, saying, you do you? For you, maybe, maybe you have a friend that's close to you right now, but you've realized you're starting to see some bad habits forming in them. You've seen some choices that they've been making, and everything is telling you it could cause a lot of damage for them. Are you actually going to speak up and guide or say, I guess do whatever you think? Maybe for you, you have a family member who, who is needy, and you're sick of it. You're sick of it, but you've been placed as the caregiver. Have you embraced responsibility of seeking out their well-being? Or are you just playing the avoidance card, saying, eh, it'll be fine if they just do what they want? You see, God has placed us in people's lives and given us ability and roles to keep. Galatians 6, 1 through 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall to, into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. It's telling us we are to help someone stay on track. Now, be sure you didn't miss like a couple of the key words in there. It says gently, gently correct, humbly correct, and then share each other's burdens. Want to know what's not fun? Handling things gently 
and sharing each other's burdens. That is not fun at all. You want to know who carries or what carries a lot of burdens? The women in my life. (laughs) The women in my life, there's a lot of burden with that. Okay, I don't mean that offensively, but my whole immediate family is all girls. I have all girls in my family, my dog included. It's all girls. So it's literally not a burden of family. Women are a blessing, or it's not a burden of women. Women are a blessing, but a family, a family comes with burdens. So I want to rephrase that. You want to know what carries a lot of burdens? Family. Family carries a lot of burden. But as a man, and the particular role that my wife and I, we've sat down together and discussed that I am to embrace for our family, is heavy. It's heavy, the roles that I play. She has some heavy roles too, but I, I thought I'd just share a few of mine that we've discussed. So for us, like, we've discussed that I am the leader of our household. As in, I, I lead a lot of the decisions that we, we go about on. But leading is a lot. It means I have to make a lot of decisions. And think of what's best for everyone. I wish to avoid a lot of that. I I am the protector of our family, we've discussed. Yet, I've been kind of slacking on this one a little bit at home. Lately, I've been falling asleep when we watch shows or movies. For example, the Fast and Furious movie we watched. Um, So this is a little silly, but my wife, she's the one who locks the doors and checks over our little girls before we go to bed while I just keep on sleeping on the couch. But I'm failing because she wants me to be the protector. That's a role. That's a responsibility that like, we've declared I'm to take. But it's a burden. It's a burden to wake up and do all that. I'm the one who does the finances in our house or takes care of the finances. I need to make sure that we're saving enough or having enough for our needs and using our funds wisely so that we can pay for that ER visit or insurance or food or whatever it is. And to analyze all that and plan for all that is a burden. I'm the spiritual leader of our house. Like, as in, I need to make sure that my family is growing spiritually with God. Like, is everyone learning? Is everyone developing a personal relationship with God? Learning the ways of God? Learning how to pray? Learning how to read scripture? Even the littlest of my family. There are a lot of roles that are needed in a family. And my wife does a lot of roles too. But the reason I point a few of these out is I am accountable to my family, and it is a giant burden that they come with. But it's a role I must embrace for my people, for my family. What's yours? What's yours? If you have a family household of multiple people, I'm sure you can start thinking of some things. But unfortunately, it doesn't just end there with immediate family. If we go back to the movie, the Fast and Furious movie, it has nonstop moments where people uniquely pop up from the past movies. Again, there's 10 of them. And they show up to keep for each other. For example, there's a scene where John Cena, he pops up. He's Dom's brother, and he rescues Dom's kid. Uh, there's a scene where Jason Stratham, like, he shows up, and all of a sudden he loads up a vehicle, gets ready to go into battle with everyone. There's a scene where Gal Gadot, she, she comes in, and she rescues someone from Antarctica. There's a lot of big actors in this movie. There are. I hope maybe you're getting a little more intrigued to maybe check it out. Who knows? But these people had non-immediate family relationships and then opportunities to keep for one another. Now, I don't picture you having to rescue people's kids from intruders or load up a car full of ammo to go fight or rescue someone from another continent. But I think what God wants for you to reflect on today is outside of your family, 
Who are your people and what is your role? Who are your people and what is your role? As we're in our last five minutes thinking about this, I want to look at how Jesus handled this as he's our image bearer. Because he shows us how to do this well on actually multiple levels. When Jesus was about to take his last breath of dying on a cross as this perfect human being who did no wrong, he sees his mother. And it says this in John 19, 25 to 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Wow. This interaction shows what it's like to keep and be accountable for others on so many levels. It actually shows us, I think, three ways just in this small interaction. First off, Jesus is accountable to his family. We're to be accountable for our family. At that time, it was customary to take care of your, your family, your, the elderly. Parents depended on their kids. Well, Jesus, before he dies, he makes sure that someone will take care of his mom. The second thing that I think we can see is Jesus' disciple and friend was accountable to Jesus, his friend. For us, we are to be accountable for your friends or for our friends. This disciple that Jesus is with, he gets a request from Jesus to care for his mother. He, as the friend of Jesus, responds by being accountable for his friend's needs and cares for Jesus' mother. The third thing I think we can see is Jesus, who is God in flesh, was accountable for his creation. We are to accept we are to accept what God has done for you. God doesn't want his creation and people to experience hell and death and sin. So God sends Jesus to atone, to make up for the wrongs of his people so that they can avoid permanent death. So Jesus, as we saw in this verse, is crucified so that he can offer forgiveness and a way to eternal life for his creation. He keeps for us. He wants what's best for us. Yet, it's something we must accept or receive personally. In all of these situations, the one who's the keeper can only do so much. The ultimate decision is up to the other person. But as I close today, unlike what Cain did for Abel, nor even Abel did for Cain, will you keep for your family? Will you keep for your friends? Will you embrace God's keeping for you? In what way will you do that? And we're going to kind of end this message in a strange way, but I want to give you a moment to think about that a little bit. To think about, realistically, how do you keep for your spouse or your kids or your family? How do you take accountability for the, what you see your friends doing? So just give you a little bit more time to think about this, because I want you to process this for just another 20 seconds here. I want to show you the ending of how Dom does this in the movie and saves the day, because it's fun but I ultimately want you to think about this. Check it out. I don't know if that extra time was helpful for you or not, or you just want to drive fast after the service, 
but God wants you to keep. I pray you do when the moment arises. Will you pray with me as I close? Hey God, thank you for today. Thank you for showing us through just like fun movies, blockbusters, that we can still get biblical truths from them. God, I pray that uh, whether it's our family or friends or acquaintances, there are people that have been placed in our life. And God, I just pray that you help us embrace the responsibility that we maybe have been gifted with or entrusted with to keep for them. And I pray that you help us do that well this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.